the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. <coughs> Andrew, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. We're beginning a new series today which will take us all the way up to Easter where we are going to look each week at various people who met Jesus, who encountered Jesus and how their lives were impacted by that encounter. Either positively changed and to be on the path of the kingdom or even we'll have a look at people like the rich young ruler and Caiaphas and Pilate who met Jesus but who responded negatively to him, who rejected him, who walked away from entering the kingdom. So that's where we're going. Uh, we're going to look at people like Peter, starting today, Simon Peter. We'll look at the woman of Samaria, his brother, James, Zacchaeus, Judas, even maybe the thief on the cross. There are certainly lots of others. I think there are about 27 different individuals that Jesus met, as recorded in the Gospels. So we've had to make a selection. But that's where we're going, and we'd invite you to pray for that series and for its impact upon each of our lives. I would like to pray as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we gather together in this place to honour you, to submit to you, and to listen to your word. I pray that you would take your word this morning and enlighten us, challenge us, shape us as we seek to follow the Lord Jesus together. We pray that you'll give us wisdom and go before us each and every day that you give us. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter's story can be told around a little bit like the seismic... Uh, wrong way. What have I done, Gary? <laughs> Want to sing, anybody? Help. Peter's life can be told around like, you know, a seismic graph that measures tremors and earthquakes where it's like stable and then all of a sudden it's like a tremor comes and it goes bzzz, it goes up and down or whatever. It's, his life is like that. You can, <coughs> thank you, he can measure uh, certain incidences that happened in his life. Thanks for trusting me yet again. <laughs> Not working. That's closing prayer. <clears throat> and those tremors, quakes, incidences in his life bump him out of his self-confidence and into a deeper experience, a deeper walk. He 
There is more said about Simon Peter than any other person in the four Gospels. Jesus says more to Simon Peter than he does to any of the other apostles, as recorded. It's because Peter, almost under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has been taken and his experiences and statements and blunders, as well as successes, is given to us to model for us, if you like, or to encourage us in our journey. He's in a roller coaster, he goes up and down, and so do we. He gets off track, so do we. He gets back on course, and so do we. If this works, and it's not going to, is it? No. I don't know what I did, sorry. <clears throat> on my desk on uh, Thursday, somebody from Kraft put a, a, a little story on, in my pigeonhole, and it was called The Farmer's Prayer. I don't know what I've done with it, I lost it, and I wanted to share it with you this morning. A pastor went to a very small country town in country, New, uh, country America, Kentucky or someplace, and as he went to meet with the new church people, uh, a farming community, they had gathered together, and as country folk often do, they had a nice big spread, and so as the pastor was there, the new pastor, the interviewee pastor, they got a farmer, an older bloke, to pray. So he bowed, they all bowed their heads and he started to pray, Lord, I don't like wheat or flour from wheat. And the pastor thought, that's strange. He's a farmer and he doesn't like wheat. I don't like lard or butter. And I don't like milk, full cream milk. By this stage, not only has the pastor got one eye open, but half the other people have got their one eye open. And where's this going? And then he says, but Lord, when you take all those things that I don't like and you mix them together and you bake them, I do like biscuits. I want to thank you for the food that we're about to enjoy together. I thought it was a great little story to say there are things that we don't like in our life that when God takes it and mixes it together and bakes it a little, then something good comes out of it. Bible says <laughs> a woman should be silent <laughs> in church. I'm going to pray for you, Tony. Yeah, amen. I, like you, are married to a woman. That's why I'm wearing pink today. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Thank my wife for that. I'm actually wearing pink today, this has nothing to do with Simon Peter, but I'm actually wearing pink today because yesterday the pastoral team had a retreat in the afternoon to look at our constitution and Elder Ken Chow, who was sitting in the front, used an illustration of trying to say, you know, where do you draw the line and the boundaries and stuff and um, he says, like for instance, are we going to have a rule where everybody on stage has to wear pink? And I turned to Charlie, who was sitting next to me, I said, what are you wearing tomorrow? <laughs> he said... I should apologise for embarrassing you that way publicly, Pastor Charlie. <laughs> I should apologise. <laughs> You're big enough to take it. Oh, it's back, it's working, excellent. We're looking at Simon Peter. Who was he? Well, Simon Peter was a man who was a fisherman, who became a disciple, who became an apostle, 
who became a church planter, who became an author of two books in the New Testament, a very significant, dominant church leader in the first century, as recorded in the book of Acts. Simon is mentioned about 50 times in the four Gospels, approximately. Uh, some people, have, he's got a bad reputation, you know, he's the butt of many jokes, you know, people die and they go to the pearly gates, and who's standing at the pearly gates? Peter. You look like you've never heard that before in your life. Doesn't matter. Another life for me. Uh, many people mistakenly think he was the first pope. They will have a problem in 30 seconds. Peter was a fisherman, born in Bethsaida, moved to Capernaum. He, was, he had a brother, Andrew. His father's name was either Jonah or John. Simon, son of Jonah. Simon, son of John, depending on how you translate it. Jonas. He was married. If he was the first pope, the first pope was married. We know that because he has a mother-in-law in Mark chapter 1 who was sick and Jesus healed her. In fact, his wife travelled with him in his apostolic ministries, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and also other places. He was certainly a leader amongst the 12. Whenever you find the listing of the 12 apostles, Simon Peter, Peter is always mentioned first, always, no exception, in Matthew, Mark, Luke and Acts, where there are lists of the apostles. And if you look at those lists very carefully, they're very similar, and they, but they are always in groups of, four groups of three. And what's significant, as you look at the pattern, is the leader of the first group is Simon Peter, James and John and his brother, Andrew. Then there's a second group, and the leader of that group, I forget who it was, but I'm going to say it was Matthew. I'd have to check it. I, haven't, did, I didn't do that. Matthew was always named leader of the second group. And then there is a third group, and whoever that is, is always the leader, it might be James, son of Alphaeus or something, is the leader of the third group. There is that order and structure. There was this, while there were 12, there was also an inner circle of three, remember? Peter, James and John, who had experiences like at the Transfiguration or Jairus' daughter uh, or in Gethsemane. Those three were taken by Jesus. They got a little bit extra input. Simon was the leader of the pack, if you like. And certainly in Acts chapters 1 to 12, he is a dominant leader. He's the first to stand up and preach the sermon on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people become to faith. In Acts chapter 3, he heals a man who was lame. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In Acts chapter 4, he is opposed to the authorities in Jerusalem when they command them not to preach anymore. And he says, we have to obey God, not people. Acts chapter 5, you have him with Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, discerning and judgment coming. In Acts chapter 10, he has this vision and he is the first one who introduces Gentiles into the faith, first apostle to introduce Gentiles into the faith. When Jesus said, go into all the world to make disciples of all nations, what they heard was, go to where all of the Jewish people are and, and bring them to be my disciples, not go to the Gentiles. And it took a significant shift, Acts chapter 10 and 11, where Peter has to explain that. And in Acts chapter 12, you even have a remarkable story where the Apostle Peter, James, has been killed. Peter is arrested and he's chained between two guards. And Acts chapter 12, verse 6 says, and he was sleeping. He was a man who had grown in faith to trust exactly what Jesus had said. By that stage in his life, he was a very mature disciple, a mature apostle. I'll come back to that in a second. He went north then to Antioch and then into other regions, which is where he writes his letter to Galatia, Cappadocia, Pontus and other Roman provinces. 
And in his letters, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, you can see the things that Jesus taught him, he is now teaching the next generation, teaching the church. Maybe later on this year we might do that, we might come back to the letters of Peter. Anyway, back to Acts chapter 12, Peter is sleeping between two guards, church is praying, he's going to come before Herod the very next day where he expects to be executed, why is he sleeping? Because Jesus said to him, on the beach in John 21, Simon or Peter, names are used interchangeably, come back to that, um, Simon, when you were young, you used to dress yourself, but when you are old, somebody else will dress you and stretch out your hands and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus told him, you're going to live to be older. So here he is in Acts chapter 12, chained between two guards, death penalty the next day, and he is sleeping. Not going to happen. Jesus said so. He had grown to the point of taking Jesus at his word, so it gave him peace. He's a man who grew to become that, just like we need to follow the Lord Jesus and likewise grow to become like that. That's a lifelong journey. How did Peter meet Jesus? Well, three stages. Firstly, as there are stages for many of us, there aren't many people who come out of pure darkness and meet Jesus like this. Normally there is a progression, there is a development, there is a steps along the way. <clears throat> so too there was for Peter. He was a follower of John the Baptist, that's the first step. And in following John the Baptist, eventually John turned his ministry and started focusing very clearly upon the coming Messiah, upon Jesus. Peter wasn't there that day, but his brother, second step, his brother Andrew was, when John says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and Andrew goes to meet Jesus. And in the passage that Coral read to us, it talks about how the very first thing Andrew did after meeting Jesus was he went and found his brother Simon Peter and said, we found the Messiah. Peter then goes to meet Jesus. And so that's how Jesus, personally, that's how Peter met Jesus. And then there are the two stories, and they're probably meant to go together, of how Jesus was walking along the beach one day and he calls these fishermen, leave everything, come follow me. Expanded in Luke chapter 5, which is the dramatic and wonderful story of how Peter was called uh, in this, before I go to that passage, in that encounter with uh, Jesus in John chapter 1, Jesus changes his name. You are Simon. Jesus looked at him very carefully, but you will be called Peter. You are the one who listens. Strange name for Peter, because he often didn't. <clears throat> You're going to become Peter, the rock. You're going to become somebody solid and stable and dependable. It's going to take some time to get there, but he will. God often changes the names of his servants. He changed Abraham's name. Jesus changed James and John's name, called them a nickname, Sons of Thunder. It's probably Jesus who changed Levi's name to Matthew. But in the Old Testament, you have Joshua and Gideon, lots of other people whom God had... God changed their name because God was going to do something in them. And he could see uh, the purpose being fulfilled in them. So it's significant that his name is changed. And as I said, sometimes he's called Simon and sometimes he's called Peter and sometimes he's called Simon Peter. Why? Well don't really know and I didn't have time this week to follow any patterns through so generally I can say this 
He's called Simon because that's his name. That's his most common name. He's used to that. Sometimes he's called Peter, particularly after he has done something significant, something strong, something in commensurate with his new nature. But in the Gospel of John, for instance, he's most often called Simon Peter. They're together. And it's possible, and like I said, I haven't researched this, so you do you research and see what you find out, and I'll try and do it as well, of when he stuffs up, when he's according to his old nature, he's Simon. Simon, Simon, the old way. When he's Peter, he's the new way. He's being the person God wants him to be becoming. And as I said, that's not <coughs> uh, a consistent, infallible distinction, but there are indicators of that either way. He's a person who listens, Simon, sometimes he didn't. He's a person who was strong as a rock, but sometimes he's weak as sand. Just like us. That's how we met Jesus. And then when he encountered Jesus on another occasion, Jesus calls him to a brand new life. Simon is a person we know, is someone who was outspoken, he's unpolished, he's a bit rough on the outside, he's certainly untrained theologically. Many people would say he is a person of high maintenance, he's a mixture of strengths and weaknesses, successes and failures. But Jesus calls him calls him to a new life this followed luke chapter 5 after a night of failure out on the uh, sea of galilee they'd fished all night they'd caught nothing they were now on the beach and they were mending their nets and jesus came along with the crowd and uh, borrows the boat gets into it and at the end of preaching teaching the crowd he says push out into the deep let your nets down on the right hand side and peter says lord we've been out all night caught nothing failed and it's not the time to go fishing but if you say so, I will. And he does. It's remarkable. And he does. And of course, the nets get so full that the nets are uh, going to break. And Peter suddenly becomes aware of the one in whose presence he is standing, or that he is. And he says to Jesus, depart from me, Lord, because I am a sinful man. Bypass me. Go pick somebody else. I'm not worthy to be associated with you. But Jesus invites him to live a life that would now be far more significant, a life that matters. In verses 10 and 11 of Luke 5, you know, it's leave this, come follow me, and I will help you to go fishing for people. A life that matters. Jesus invites him and us to join him in his new adventure. There's a new attitude. Don't be afraid. There is a new direction from now on. There's a new purpose. You're going to catch people, fish for men. There's a new life. They left all and they followed him. A new attitude, a new direction, a new purpose and a new life, all because he decided to follow Jesus. So, question, have you been called? Are you responding? Are you following? Apostle Peter starts to follow, called to a new life. But along that journey, as there is for us, so there certainly was for him, he was distracted and we need to be aware of distractions along the way. I used to like to play golf, I haven't played for quite a while. <clears throat> My wife promises me that when we retire, we're going to go and play golf together. Pray for that, won't you? <clears throat> for those of you who are golfers, I know there are some of you in the room, swinging a golf club requires a fair bit of concentration. And that's why 
I started playing golf because amidst all the stresses and distractions of ministry, it's good to have something where you have to dismiss everything else from your mind in order to concentrate on doing this. You've got to concentrate on your backswing, you've got to keep your eye on the ball, you've got to move your body at the right way to make proper contact, and then you've got to follow through. Any little thing, a distraction, thought coming into your head, can easily make you have a missed shot. You can pull it, push it, hook it, slice it, cut it, miss it. You can even duff it. It's easy to be distracted. Well, the Apostle Peter got distracted. It's rather typical of him, but there is a storm in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and Jesus comes walking on the water and they're afraid and typical Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. Bold, audacious and trusting. This is Peter at his best. Just imagine it. So over the edge of the boat, he steps. Jesus says, come, come to me. Steps over the edge of the boat onto water and walks on water incredible when he was completely abandoned to doing exactly what Jesus said to him impossible things happened but then he got distracted he noticed the wind he noticed the waves and he started to sink distractions this is impossible this shouldn't be happening Lord save me and Jesus comes to him and Jesus has one question oh you of little oh you of little faith why did you doubt? When you trusted me and did exactly what I said to do, it worked. When you doubted that or questioned it, you sank. So he was distracted because he stopped looking and relying on the words of Jesus. How do we stay focused on Jesus? So we've been talking about it for the last six weeks and lots of times. By spending time in his word and listening to him, by talking to him in prayer and by submitting to him. There's no other way. You've got to stay focused on him. Question, is there anything distracting you from following Jesus today? Fear? Anxiety about something? Disappointment? Stress? Life circumstances that you find yourself in? Do what Peter did. Lord, save me. Deliver me. He may very well take you out of that situation. He may not. Don't hear me saying this is a foolproof guarantee how to get rid of problems. No. But it is true. Sometimes he leaves us in a situation because we have not, because we ask not. Pray. Rely on him. But don't forget 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where the Apostle Paul had a situation where he had a, a satanic opposition, a demon who was tormenting him. He's thorn in the flesh. And he prayed three times. Lord, take it away. Take three times. And three times the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. In this situation, you're staying in a situation and I'm going to use this situation as tough as it is for you, Paul, to grow you, to humble you, to use you. So, what's distracting you? Talk to the Lord about it and then submit to his sovereign purposes in your life. <clears throat> Peter got distracted along the way but he also made progress and often when he took a two steps forward he took also two or three back progress missteps progress missteps in one Corinthians, in one kings chapters 18 and 19 there's a story is told of your prophet Elijah in one kings 18 
He is a mighty servant of God. Tick, 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 tick. Summons fire from heaven, it comes down and consumes the sacrifice and the prophets of Baal are all destroyed and he prays and the rain comes. Success, 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 success. Chapter 19. Failure. After success, watch out. That's the biblical principle. Study the life of David, you'll have exactly the same principle and you have it here with Peter. Moments of progress followed by missteps. In Matthew chapter 16, there is a period where Peter is given this amazing spiritual insight. Um, he had been spending time with Jesus and the evidence of what he had seen in the life of Jesus and what he said as well as what he did and God was at work in his heart. And when Jesus asked the question that we spoke about last week, who do you say that I am? Peter declares, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood haven't revealed this to you. My Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Spiritual insight, a spiritual high. Peter's come a long way. And his spiritual growth is certainly the byproduct of his exposure to the Lord Jesus. But typical Peter is a roller coaster. This is quickly followed by a blunder. After victory, watch. Verse 22, Jesus says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, they're going to kill me, reject me, and I'll rise again from the dead. Verse 22, the Apostle Peter says, this is not going to happen to you, Lord. No, I'm in charge. You do what I say. It's my expectations, not yours. That's not happening. He's resisting God's plan for his own plan. That's not what I want. That's not acceptable to me. Jesus' response to him and to us, when we think we're in charge, our expectations are to be met, we're resisting God's plan, we're going to implement our own plan, there is a rebuke and there is a correction. Verse 23, the apostle, uh, Jesus says to Peter, <clears throat> get behind me, Satan. Satan means adversary. Get behind me, get out of the road those who are opposing me doing what God wants me to do. Because you're not mindful of the things of God, you're mindful of the things of men. You've got your plan and your ideas above what God wants to do. But Jesus says to him, follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, like we said last week. Lay your plans, your expectations, lay them aside and answer these questions. Are you God-centred? Are you submissive to God's will? Are you obedient to God's word? Are you accepting of God's ways? Spiritual progress. Look out for the missteps. When Peter relied on himself, it inevitably leads to failure. And we know that in our own experience. In Luke chapter 22, <clears throat> the apostle, uh, Jesus says to Peter and to all of them, in fact, you know, there is difficult times ahead. And then he says to Peter or to Simon and about him, he says, Satan, Satan has requested to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. And when you return, imply something, and you stand strong, strengthen your brothers, I have prayed for you. Peter's response to that instruction from Jesus is to say, no, Lord, I'm ready to die for you and to go to prison with you. Peter says, uh, Jesus says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. 
Then they go to the Garden of Gethsemane and then Jesus takes Peter, James and John and leaves the nine and he goes on a bit further and he leaves them there and he says to them, pray. Pray that you don't enter into temptation or into times of hard testing. And he went on and he prayed for about an hour. When he came back, he found them asleep, failed to pray. Jesus wakes them up and he says to them, um, why are you sleeping? Pray. Because prayer strengthens us for what lies ahead. If the Lord Jesus needed to pray, how much more do we? Time spent with our Heavenly Father prepares us for the challenges that are ahead. So Peter fell asleep, as did the others, and so he was unprepared for the failure that was to come. Then Judas comes with the guards to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Peter, waking up out of his sleep, realising Jesus is going to be arrested, remembering what he had said, I'm ready to die with you and go to prison for you, is acting out his word. He takes out a sword and he swings it, and he cuts off a servant's ear. I have no doubt he wasn't trying to cut off his ear, I think he was trying to cut off his head. And Jesus heals that instantly. Peter is relying on himself, his own strength, his own ideas, his own plans. Then Jesus is arrested and goes, and every, every, all of them scatter except for John and for Peter. John somehow knows the high priest Caiaphas has access into the family and Peter goes with John to Caiaphas's courtyard John chapter 18 which is, sounds brave and sounds commendable but he's going into a very dangerous situation because it's in that context where there is a charcoal fire and a servant girl asks him aren't you with him and he denies it and each time he denies it, he denies it more strongly until the third time that he dies, knowing Jesus, he actually swears and curses and carries on to protect himself. Self-reliance led to this terrible situation of spiritual failure. He failed to heed the warning that Jesus had given him. He failed to pray. He relied on himself. So for us, as disciples of the Lord Jesus, we need to take Jesus' words very seriously and heed them. He says something, listen very carefully. But even after failure, restoration is possible. God's grace is absolutely marvellous and Jesus, uh, Peter is sought after, after the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, Mark 16 verse 7, Jesus says to Mary, Mary Magdalene, go and tell my disciples I'm going ahead of them to Galilee and tell Peter told Peter I'm coming to see him. By that night Jesus has already visited Peter sometime Sunday afternoon and Peter is now in the upper house where Jesus will appear again. Remember Jesus had said I have prayed for you so that when you return strengthen your brethren. Peter is about to grow to become what he was supposed to be the rock. After those resurrection appearances a few weeks later Peter goes fishing with a few of the disciples John chapter 21 and they're fishing and Jesus is now again on the beach the progression here is from failure there is forgiveness and there is restoration failure isn't final and in fact Peter's life can be bound by two fish stories in Luke chapter 5 is the story of uh, where he's called to ministry and John chapter 1, 1 is also a fishing story and a beach story where Jesus asks him those three questions, do you love me? 
follow me, do you love me? And the bread and the fish and everything else. Peter is restored. His name, as I said before, was changed. Simon Peter. What can we say by way of conclusion? Well, if I put it in the first person, I'll pretend to be Peter. And these are the lessons that we've spoken about this morning. While walking on water, doing something that only God could enable me to do, I sank. Why? Because I took my eyes off Jesus. Be aware of being distracted. Whilst having an incredible experience and some spiritual insight, a revelation from the Father, I was also used by Satan. Moments of progress can be followed by missteps. After victory, watch. Once I was the only one who said that I would stand up for Jesus, and yet I was the only one who denied him three times. Once was bad enough. Three times. Because I was protecting myself. Self-reliance leads to failure. But God worked in me, called me to follow Jesus again. God's grace restored me. From thinking I'm part of the chosen few, I learnt I am his servant and he works powerfully in me. Peter died in AD 67 or 68 and as you know the story, the tradition, that he was crucified upside down because he didn't consider himself worthy to die in the same manner as his Lord. What you may not know is tradition also says that his wife died the same day and in the same way that she was still with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this information, this story about this man, Simon, who becomes Peter, a man whose life is transformed, strengthened and useful to extend the kingdom of Jesus, all because of your working in him and him cooperating. And there are certainly lessons, Lord, for us to learn. So continue to remind us and help us like you did him, to grow and to become more like you. We ask and pray this in your name. Amen. All right.